and welcome to a very special Valentine's Day edition of Shit. Uh, hi, Michael here. I would like to point out we are recording this on Valentine's Day. This will not release anywhere near Valentine's Day, so I hope you had a good one. It sure won't, but that won't stop me from doing my extra all right, hello everyone, and welcome to another episode no! of Shit Pick, well, a podcast where we look at voice. old writings that Chris and I wrote and laugh at them and learn from them. I hope you've listened to other podcasts uh, or previous episodes because that's about as much of an intro as I'm gonna give today. Come on, you gotta let me. <laughs> today, uh, because it is Valentine's Day, we decided to shake things up a little bit. What we're gonna do now is instead of reading a script. We're going to read some poetry, because nothing's more romantic than poetry. It's a proven scientific fact. And to do that, we've decided to pull a reverse threes company on your ass. We've got the oopa doopa oopsie doopsie baby maybe. Oh, it's our producer, Sydney Gonard. Hello, Sydney without a Y. Hi, guys. What an intro, am I right? What an intro. Well, and also, like, when you were like, oh, this is going to release anytime near Valentine's Day. Yeah, yeah I know. I'm aware. Like, that's, that's why I gave the disclaimer. The sexiest time of the year, mid-March. Yeah, yeah. But yes, welcome, everyone, to the special <sighs> Valentine's, not Valentine's episode. Uh... This is going to be great. Again, we're going to switch it up. We're going to read some poetry. Uh, I hate poetry. The only reason I have any poems is because I had to do it for a class in high school. So these are all cringy and terrible. And I'm so excited to share them with the world. We've got to all yeah. give our, our, our relationship to poetry. I feel like we I'm the do. only one here who has a relationship. Well, I just gave mine. I've already stated I hate poetry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can I can establish yeah, why if you guys want to know why. But uh, for now, let's uh, Chris. What, what's your relationship with poetry? Oh, you wish to know my relationship with poetry. Well, after that, uh, um, I don't. <laughs> I will give you the whole fucking story, baby. Great. It started June nineteenth. Um, what year? Of eighteen nine, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't have a date. It started uh, in, I think, in middle school. We had a poetry assignment, and I expressed myself, and it was like, "Wow, Chris, way to express yourself." And from there, I was hooked, baby. I was writing like poetries like every day on my iPod Touch. I had my little notebook section. I would write it out. None of it rhymed. I was decidedly against rhyming my poetry. I was really writing from the heart. Free verse all uh, the way. Making exactly with there was there was no form or anything. And so that lasted through junior year. And then we I had I was able to take a class. It was one half of the semester. We did short story writing. And that's where I learned that I, I love writing. And then the other half was poetry. And I learned that I fucking hate poetry. <laughs> oh, God. I just liked writing my feelings out. <laughs> I did not actually like analyzing, listening to, performing poetry in the slightest. But lucky for me, I have just fucking bushels of bad poetry. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Well, my relationship with poetry, I think it's it's 
kind of along the lines of Chris, but not quite to that extent. Because, like, I remember learning about haikus in elementary school, and I would write them, like, a lot. Like, I wrote, I think, three haikus to Santa one year for Christmas and left it with his cookies. That is so nerdy. That is unbelievably (laughs) nerdy. Santa left you a note saying, you're a cultural appropriator, please stop. Santa was like, I "I don't need poetry, I just want cookies and milk, please stop. Well, Santa was my parents, so they thought it was cute and they appreciated it. (laughs) Sydney, are you saying that Santa's not real? Are you telling our listeners, who are probably adults and don't care, uh, (laughs) but are you telling them that Santa is not real? Here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say <laughs> that the person who took that poem was not Santa. <laughs> but, um, and then I didn't really do poetry that much. I wasn't really, like, I fell out of it pretty quickly. Um, I read a little bit of Shel Silverstein probably around, like, fifth grade with all the, like, more silly kind of sweet and goofy poems that were, like, I think some rhyming, some not. And then middle school, I don't think I really had too much of an interest in it anymore. And I feel like now I like, well, part of it was I had a creative writing class where the teacher did not really know much about writing stories, but she loved writing poetry. So 90% of our prompts and stuff were poetry. So it was a lot of pushing us in that direction. And even though like I wrote a lot of my own stuff that I just kind of wanted to write, I still like played with some poetry. Um, I still write stuff from time to time. I've kind of gotten into this thing where I don't think for a very long time I realized how much it could be storytelling through poetry. And that, like, I don't know any of the, like, this is how words are supposed to go and how words are placed. And this is how, you know, certain things with, like, rhyme and meter and certain things with, like, the very, like, academic, very poetry-minded people. Like, they know stuff that make me feel like, no, I just put words on a page and hope that it looks nice and that it sounds nice and just do my best. Um, so like, I, I still like and appreciate poetry. I don't read that much poetry. I don't write that much poetry. It's normally either like what Chris said, where it's like here to get angsty emotions out or mm. like trying to accept it as another form of storytelling. But, um, I'll get into it once we're actually reading some of the poems, but, like, I had a couple poems published. Oh, very cool. So, Chris, once again, we're on the uh, Uh, publishing podcast. I actually did have exactly one poem published in a book. Hey, that's amazing. accepting everybody. Was it one of those deals where they were like, hey, we're going to publish your poem in this book, but you have to pay, like, 20 bucks for the book? I think so. I had that, too, yeah. Actually, they might have. They might have not have forced me, but there was no selection process, I'm sure. I'm pretty sure it was literally like, oh, you submitted a poem? Congratulations. You're you're a poet laureate now. I'm just quickly looking up to see if I can still buy the book. I wonder if they're still trying to... I mean, it sounds like yours was actually a legit book versus my thing sounds like it was something in was in the like corners of the internet in like the early 2010s where it's just like here you can submit your poetry here and then it's like we're gonna get a bunch of like fifth graders to like think they're (laughs) they're amazing authors (laughs) yeah Yeah, mine was um no it's closing its doors but are its doors closed what's the name of it though it was called miles to go it was actually a um literature based clothing company interesting but they're gone now and now i 
this is so sad. Well, this has now so turned sad. into the Chris's Crying Podcast. Welcome, everyone. Where Chris uh, vents his emotions. It hasn't been before. It hasn't been before. It's, I mean, most episodes are Chris that. Crying. Yeah. You gotta send me a link to it, because I was looking for it, and I didn't see it. Like, I saw, like, it's references to Robert Frost, because it's clearly miles to go. And as soon as I, like, saw that, I was like, oh, right. Two roads diverge in the yellow wood and all that. I hate that poem. Oh, I like it. It's still it's still strong on me. There's another one I really like. I don't remember um, what it's called, but I remember reading a ton in like freshman year uh, high school where it was like, uh, do not go softly into that good night. And it's like rage, rage against the dying of the light. Uh, I don't know. Part of the reason I hate poetry is simply because it feel poetry has always felt to me like the most complicated way of saying a very simple thing. Like... You know, like the the two roads one, it's like the whole thing is, you know, you don't have to go follow the same path that everyone else follows or whatever. And I'm like, you could have just said that. I didn't need all the flowery <laughs> language. Like, I I don't care. I don't care about your flowery language. Just say what you want to say. That's, I, I'm a very direct, uh, I like things straightforward. I think the only poems I've really ever enjoyed are uh, Tolkien's poems, and that's because those are super nerdy and, and about dwarves and elves, and that's that's great. And Shell Silvers. Yeah, I don't know how you can say you don't like flowery language when I'm like, well, I'm thinking just even you the guys. prose. Like Tolkien did not have the easiest prose to digest because it yes. to me always. So it, it's not like his was not without flowery language, even without the poetry. But um, no, I I think I appreciate flowery language. I appreciate. Things just being pretty and just, I think there's certain... Chris, stop it. Sir. I'm, I need to get your attention. Well, let me just Shel finish. Silverstein died. <laughs> okay. I didn't know he already hadn't died. <laughs> That's... Well, he died 20 years ago, but <laughs> okay. still. So I was right. It's really sad. I already thought he was dead. Although, oh. I'm, I'm the... Nobody has appreciation for art. I appreciated no him. I read him a lot when I was little. But um, that's the thing, though. Like, I assume, like when I was little, I assumed most authors were already dead. Speaking of art, though, that's also why uh, the same reason I dislike poetry is also the same reason I dislike most paintings and, like, traditional art. Because especially modern art where it's just, like, blots thrown around. Again, I'm a very literal person. And so when I see stuff like that, I'm not, like, interpreting anything. I'm just like, this is just colorful dots. The, my favorite paintings are the ones that tend to be of just, like, actual things. Like, Warhol stuff I, I enjoy because oh. it's just, like, stuff. Well, there's meaning behind that. But too. see, I don't read into the meaning I because I don't care. I, whatever meaning you had, I literally don't care. You just like aesthetically pretty. Exactly. I'm like, look, that's a pretty good can right there. I like it. Uh, and that's that's literally the only meaning I get out of it. Well, I like with art, though, like, so my roommate actually does art. So I feel like I've learned a little bit. And just one of the things is just the idea of composition and like studying where the eye goes, because that's also in film. So it's just, I think there's still like things you can appreciate, even if it's not like, I don't really do the like yeah. reading into metaphor and simile either. There was a short story we, re we read in like sophomore year of high school, a short story by Hemingway, where it was basically like talking about like, sounds like a walk in the woods and like ants walking over hills. And she's just like, so what is it about? And I'm just like, I don't know. It's a walk in the woods. It's ants walking over stuff. And it's like, no, it's representing the like soldiers coming back from Vietnam. And <laughs> ma'am, I am 
15 years old, I don't know anything about Vietnam. But see, I, like, I'm an adult, and I still would have been like, yeah, it's, a, it's quite literally about ants. Like, I don't, I don't really know why you're reading into it. I'm glad you are. Like, you know, I, I don't believe there's any objectivity in art. I think everything is entirely subjective. Um, and, you know, that's, that's from someone that went to film school, and they were like, this is the objective way to write a script. And I'm like, yeah, but what if someone doesn't like that way? That means it's not objectively better. Well, it's, it's film is really interesting. Also, like hearing like this is how you write a script and going to film school, and then around that same time, like to, after film school, watching like a lot of Miyazaki movies, and it's like so different in terms of like story structure and plot. Well, and like you'll you'll hear that it's like oh you know this type of camera angle makes people feel this kind of way, and that's an objective fact. And I'm like, but it it doesn't always work. Like. People will be like, this camera angle should make you feel this way. And I'm like, but it yeah. doesn't make me feel that way. Therefore, it's not objective. Like, two plus two will always equal four. Like, that is objective. There's no way to go around that. But for any type of art, there is no objectivity. There's no way to make 100% of your audience feel that specific way. So that's why I don't really believe there's any objectivity in art. I wish to inform the crew that Shel Silverstein also made music hmm what do we think about that i like that chris is like we're talking about art over here and chris is just like shell silverstein am i right did you know he was born in chicago he, he definitely pulled up a wikipedia page on shell silverstein yeah i did not know he was born in chicago the music thing makes sense to me because i feel like his poetry it was kind of it was fun it was silly but also kind of had a little bit of rhythm and a bit of a dance all to right it, well so uh we've been recording for a little bit should we get into our writing did you know that he also apparently slept with hundreds of women that's what his thing says Ugh. well let's uh let's get into it so chris would you like to do your your great line oh which one is it the one about shell silver no it's the one where you oh, say let's I'm get into some joking, shit everybody <laughs> I'm joking, everybody. If please. you mention Shell Silverstein one more time, Come back to bed. I am gonna turn off. Come back to bed, <laughs> I'm gonna Michael. turn off my mic. I'm going. Come back to bed, I'm quitting. <laughs> Let's get into some shit fic. Shit fic. Who would like to start us off, Sydney? Do you want to read? Do you want to read a poem? Sure. I will start with this one, where um. So this one was, did it, was this for a class? Uh, this might have been like, in, I think I actually remember writing this like during free time during a class, but I don't think it was technically an assignment. So um, my high school had a literary magazine, which I don't think I was aware of until my senior year, but my senior year I submitted three pieces. I think I submitted four pieces and I got three of them published. So two poems and a like excerpt for like a thriller novel idea I had. So those all got published and this is one of them. So this is called I Am Waiting for College. For garbage? Oh. I'm waiting for garbage is a great Oh see, title. I heard Carthage. <laughs> college. <laughs> I am waiting for college to see whether it will be my salvation or my downfall. I am waiting to see if I really know where I'm going. Because lately, I'm tired of the endless circle I've been walking in. I am waiting to pick the perfect school. I am asking God to give me a sign, but right now he's giving me the finger. All I know is I am waiting for a future, good or bad. Sassy. It will come and no one can stop it. All right. That's it. 
Is that the whole poem? That's the whole poem. That is, um... Did it rhyme? <laughs> no. <laughs> it was very direct to the point. Uh, you know, that, I, well, that, I, I appreciate I, it for that fact. Uh, however, it was very teen angsty. Uh, oh yeah! At, like oh, yeah. every high schooler is like, man, I just want to go to college and get it out of here. Uh, and so it's very relatable, I think. Um, I I yeah. didn't necessarily feel that way. I actually loved high school. Um, people are always blown away when I say that. Um, but uh, I understand. I feel like you've told us before that. I feel like with your personality, it makes sense. Oh yeah, um, to me, high school was like of- mandatory hanging out with friends, and I loved it. <laughs> but like. It was, it was just one of those things, too, where, like, by the end, I was, like, trying to figure out, like, what school am I going to? I was trying to figure out, like, what... Because I, I hate the thing with 18, and I still kind of hate it now, the expectation of, like, you are supposed to know what you want to do. And you're supposed to know, like, what direction you're in. And I kind of chose Columbia College Chicago because it was close to home, and they offered me the best scholarship to tuition ratio and I chose screenwriting because it was kind of my mom's suggestion because I really enjoyed like fiction writing and playwriting and for some reason she thought that was more steady than writing a novel which neither one is true (laughs) any kind of writing is not stable income um, unless you get real famous real fast Mm -hmm. but it was it was a little like it I don't see teen angsty in it as much so much as just like sad girl who's just been like trying going in circles over and over again trying to figure out like where am i going and i don't get to have control over what's going to happen next because that that's that whole thing of like good Mm -hmm. or bad it will come and no one can stop it time always marches on things always come things always change we don't get to control that and for me who's a control freak it is very hard (laughs) Mm -hmm. i feel that i like the 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 sassy line about God giving you the finger because I feel like every teenager blows up their problems to that level where they're like, God, I'm the most unfortunate child in the entire world. God himself picked my house and spited me, smited me into the fucking grass fault. Oh, yeah. Grass well, fault? and that's asphalt. <laughs> there we go. But no, grass my mom, my mom picked out like of all the things my mom read out of that literary magazine from me that was the line that made her laugh and I'm just like okay because there are definitely days I don't know if you guys have days but I have days where I'm just like the universe is against me and I know it would not pick me out and bully me specifically because I am not that special but still there are days where it feels like everything is set up to make your life so much harder than it needs to be for sure yeah I I can't really say that I have days like that I mean I definitely have Days that are worse than than they are better. <laughs> what are you laughing at, Chris? The you fact that just, you've never you had days that. like that. Well, you just, it's like, the I've, fact that you're like, oh, I've never had a bad day. I, no, it's it's not that I've day. never had a bad day. It's it's more so. I don't know. I've always tried to take anything that's that's bad and be like, all right, you know what? This thing this thing sucks, but like, I can either keep moving forward or let the thing that's bad make me upset. And I'd rather choose to be happy. And fortunately, I, I don't know, I'm, I think I'm, for the most part, pretty good at mediating my emotions. At least now, I wasn't always like that. Um, so. Is this what good brain chemistry looks like? I think so, Chris, because I don't know. Like, when bad that. things happen, I, I don't have I that kind of, like, conscious thought. Because sometimes it's just crashing over you. Just, like, bad, bad days. 
where it's like one thing after another and you're like i didn't get to control any of this this was just feels like the universe attacking me see again i i understand that but my mindset is always like there are so many uncontrollable factors i'm going to focus on the things that i can control and if i miss a train I'm going to either just wait for the next one, or if, if I'm running late, then I'm going to find a different way there. I'm going to start walking if I have to. Like, I I know it's cold. I know things suck. Like, whatever. But well, I, I can only control so just, much. So I'm going to do I what I can. Take control and do it. Like, if I need to walk, I do walk. And then I'm covered in sweat and exhausted and running into work half exhausted. So, like, it's it's the things where it's, like, I still do the stuff to fix the problem. Yeah. But it doesn't make me happy. It doesn't give me a sense of control or, like, it's it's more of desperation and, like, how do you respond out of desperation? Uh, for me, it's, it's like, if I can make it work, I it's for me, it's, like, a feeling of, of pride where I'm, like, hey, everything was not working, but I still made it work. And so, if anything, it, it sometimes makes me laugh. Uh, I'm, like, that was... What a day. What a day that was. What a foreign creature. I just think can't, roll, can't rolling with the sadness, doing can't what you relate. can. And also just shifting shifting love, perspective you know, if you can. I, uh, my perspective is, I, you know, if I can be sad, then I can be even sadder. And that's fucking awesome. I want to go right to the bottom. Straight to the Mariana Trench. If at all possible. Well, and see, sometimes, sometimes you need to do that emotionally. Like, I'm not saying sadness is a bad, em- a bad emotion. It like, it's it's perfectly <laughs> all right. Um, you know, whatever whatever you need to do to like help yourself, I think is is fine. I feel the contempt, not actual contempt. Is this what I'm gonna look like on meds? Get them in me. <laughs> Fix my life, Doctor Kim. Ugh, this is becoming therapy. Shit. Well, this this is the poetry episode, so it, it was definitely going to be, I feel, more emotional yeah. than any of our previous ones. Uh, I think... Oh. Anyways, happy Valentine's Day. I think we're also we're also so different that reacting it. to each other's uh, emotional states is, is fascinating. Uh, yeah. I feel like Chris is mad at me. I'm not <laughs> mad at you. I just, I just am resentful to happy people, so, you know, don't take it, it, it personally. It's, but cannot relate. Because, like, I don't know about Chris. But like when I hear you and you have this like great control over like I can just make myself focus on what's happy and I'm like I wish I could do that I wish I had that level of like restraint and like outside of myself to be like this is fine just find a solution you are doing the best you can and that is fine because my brain likes to go oh you're doing the best you can and it's still sucking so look at you suck. And uh, just that downward spiral. I think part of it is I have a lot of confidence in myself. And so I, I never have those thoughts of like, <laughs> oh, I suck. Because I don't, I don't believe that I suck. Um, so yeah. that's part of it. Unlike you, Plebeian. Oh, straight white men. <laughs> I have confidence in myself. I like myself. You know, maybe that's the difference. I'm not saying that you guys don't maybe like yourselves. I'm saying that's part of well, what helps me. Well, it sounds like the difference, Michael. <laughs> well, Chris, I think Chris, like I, I love you. I think you're great, and I never think uh, you suck. I love you, Chris. Oh, always. Always, except Even for when I talk about Shel Silverstein. Except for, I was about to say, except for when you talk about Shel Silverstein too much. <laughs> okay. I'll still support you as a person, but I will let you know you've gone too far. 
Absolutely. Support I doesn't always that, mean Michael. constant agreement. It just means support. That's fair. That's true. Well, what if the, the life path I want to take is becoming Shel Silverstein's soul orator? I don't soul think that means Soul orator? Sense. Like re- only reading Shel Silverstein or just reading about his history out loud? <laughs> you know, a little bit of both. I will well, kill like, everyone. If that's your career path, reads we Shel will support it. I will if say. that's your career path where you want to go to elementary schools and like say say a very long speech about his life maybe not elementary schools because he slept with 100 women I, but, uh, <laughs> and you know i will mention that they need oh, to yeah. know so maybe, they may, need to know what colleges. you're what king you're following but like if you want to like have a little thing and you go around to colleges informing them about shell silverstein we'll support you we will listen to it one time and then if you bring it up constantly we're going to tell you to please stop <laughs> oh friends will be friends when they have clinical depression did you enjoy college did you have fun do you look at this this poem and you say yeah girl yeah did you feel like or do you say do you feel like you got out of that cycle that you felt like you were in i don't remember exactly what that cycle felt like i feel like college helped me a lot like it it took a while because i was very like growing up i was very close with my family to the point where like I didn't really have friends that weren't my family. It took a little longer but eventually I got a good friend group and I got more comfortable. I don't know if it was just me or just me being alone or just like meeting other people who were nerds. I think it really helped meeting other people who were nerds because it was a little bit of um, no one in my family is that nerdy. So it just was like I think I finally found a group of people who was like Oh, introduced me to new stuff that I like. Like, also liked the same stuff I was I liked, and kind of also had these obsessiveness tendencies. It's one of those things where it's like here are other people whose brains don't work the way that like normal people's brains work. So you can kind of fit in with that group. I was able to find more people who kind of could understand that wavelength of just like fuck normal and make you not care as much that like. Yes, I would like higher serotonin levels, but, and I wish there were some times where I was a little less scared of the world, but for the most part, like, it made me less feeling like I had to be a certain way. I still, you know, follow a lot of traditional things. Like, I do still want to, like, get married and have kids, but it's also part of me accepting the fact that, like, if that doesn't happen for me, then it's not the end of the world it as long as i'm doing what i can and pursuing stuff that interests me and makes me excited and happy then what else really matters it's got layers yeah again this is the this is the emotional episode the read in part um yeah yeah, no i i get it once you once you find that that core nerd group that you can just hang out with and love i mean Things are great when you find that find that crew, you know. And it's it's. I'm glad that oh, everything you said there that was that was very fascinating. <laughs> All right, who wants to go next? Chris, would you like to read a little bit? Sure. I have no clue what poem to do. I'm very excited. You know, my, you're gonna love my poetry because I exclusively did poetry in the abstract, with like deep deep similes that I don't even know what they mean. So. um... <laughs> You're just gonna love. Oh, I don't. Oh God. Oh, I hate looking at this. Oh no. Oh, I hate everything. Oh, is there anything? Oh, Sydney, pick one for me. <laughs> okay. Okay. 
Sydney, I can't look at this. <laughs> Yarn this traveler, fruitful triplet. Fuck you, Chris. Oh, I rhymed during that one. Look at that. Fun fact to uh, the listeners, I decided that I was going to give each and every little collection of my poetry a fun, faggy name. Uh, this one's called Tsunami Sound Better When Voiced by Poseidon. Oh, I love me. it. I love that. Oh, look, it's a short one. This poem is from the collection uh, Memories Have No Memories. Gross. <laughs> the gross is not in there, but I added it. Okay. This poem is called Clown, parentheses, at most. The fool cannot be the man. The man is meant to carry the weights. The clown takes stage and the man sits down. There is no honor in laughing for other. Not a thing should leave tongue in vulnerability. Never have I seen such disgrace from a boy. Must you grow any more? And the clown will arise from the ashes. Tremble now, tremble before your unclean outfit. So this is about me not being taken seriously because I'm a silly boy. Um, so oh, I like it. I like I like the vulnerability in it. Yeah. So what? What now? On to what, the next. Well, what poem. what would you say? Like what? What is your analysis of of your own poem here? Like what? Give us a, a deeper view at what you like. What were you trying to say here? Um, I was definitely trying to say it's like the relationship between like. Because this is something that I felt my entire life is, like, people not, like, not being treated as a person because of, like, me being funny. Like, only being treated like, like, oh, you're the funny friend. We don't want to hear any sad things from you. You're the funny boy. Because that was... Oh God, we're gonna get into my whole history. Oh yeah, well, and honestly, I completely understand, Chris. Um, yeah, I mean, go ahead and say what you're gonna say, but yeah, I I've got stuff too. Yay! Sadness from Michael. <laughs> Sadness from Michael. Coming from elementary school, I was really heavily bullied, and I had a hot zero friends. I was very much disliked because I was weird. I was kind of creepy. Tbh. So I probably deserved to be bullied. And as moving to like middle school and then into high school, people finally started liking me when I started getting funny. When I started being able to like channel like my emotions into like comedy. And so like, I, it was very much like a, um, a piece of armor kinda. Mm -hmm. And like, it was felt like the one shred of like connection I had to other people. So like, you know, when you're, when you're the funny guy, I don't want to like risk, you know, uh, having people abandon me because, you know, that's the one reason why they're talking to me. That's the one reason why they care about me is because I'm funny. And if they, if I don't have that, then, you know, two ashes. So that's that. My, uh, yeah. that's actually something that I, I relate to, Chris. I understand that perfectly. Um. Cause like I, I was the same thing kind of in, in high school. I always wanted to be like the, the funny kid and whatnot. And for the most part, I, I think I succeeded uh, in that. 
Um, but yeah, it was definitely one of those things where if, if I tried to have a conversation about like a negative emotion that I was feeling, mm-hmm. it, I don't know, people usually just kind of got quiet and it was like, okay, um, yeah, moving on. maybe, maybe I, maybe I won't share my negative feelings because it seems like no one really wants to hear that from me mm-hmm. at least. Um, I feel like especially cause I mean, I, I, I don't want to downplay your experiences but i will say i feel like in high school that is the default reaction to big emotions because nobody Um, has the capacity to know how to deal with them like you can i'd say yes and no Mm -hmm. i'd say yes and no because like sure we aren't necessarily good but when you have like really good friends that you can share everything with Mm -hmm. like there are friends that will be like who will sit down with you and they they want to know they want to know more they want to like understand yeah. you well and I, but when you're the funny guy, i would say that i i did have friends in high school that did that it was more so freshman and sophomore year because uh, i didn't like find my core group until junior year of high school um so like i i kind of jumped around from groups of friends freshman and sophomore year and like those groups that i jumped around in yeah you definitely could not or at least i could not be emotionally vulnerable with those groups um simply because again they only saw me as the the positive happy funny guy um so some, sometimes being as happy as i can be can be a downside because then when i do want to be emotionally vulnerable people are like ah this is not who you are and i'm like oh i is this a i do is this a exactly thing? like i mean honestly sometimes people are like Psh, he doesn't actually feel that way uh and i'm like no just because i'm happy a lot of the time doesn't mean i don't also feel sadness like I too can cry and get really, really sad. Um, but yeah, so I absolutely understand that. Um, especially being the like, if, you, if you're the clown, no one wants to see a sad clown. I just, maybe I just didn't have any, like I didn't have any close friends really in high school. So I don't know if I really, I think I had like one or two people where we would kind of talk and be vulnerable and it would normally be like, I feel like there wasn't really a method of how to deal with it. It was more of just like, oh, you feel this way too. And just a moment of like, oh shit. Okay. Nice to know that I'm not the only one, but it wasn't Mm -hmm. often. It wasn't many. So yeah, sorry. (laughs) 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 I don't, don't, yeah. You don't have to apologize to not relate to a thing. Not everyone relates to everyone's emotions. It's it's more of just, I'm sorry it happened to you. I'm sorry that like, people didn't see you as fully realized human beings. It kind of sounds like they wanted you guys to be sitcom characters. Well, and like the unfortunate thing with, um, you know, with the rise of, of, I say rise of, I mean, we've been in the internet world for a long time now. Um, But like as Twitter and Facebook and all that stuff has, has grown, I think we see it more and more where like, people will see an online persona and uh if that person tries to share anything emotional whatsoever people are just like no no this is not who you are uh you don't you don't get to say these things uh you're the you're the funny twitter man i don't care that your your dog just died you're the funny twitter man uh i i follow you for funny dog tweets or whatever and it's like yeah well my dog's dead now so (laughs) They're ready for unfunny dogs yeah, yeah. all the time. It's the putting people in a box kind yeah. of mentality and everybody wanting things mm-hmm. to be simple and one-dimensional because it's yeah. easier to handle it yeah. and you don't have to recognize 
that people are deeper and more yeah. complicated. Yeah, the, the person behind that Twitter account is way more nuanced than funny dog pictures and quotes. Like, <laughs> I also thought, like, I mean, this was my own perception of what I thought was going on with this poem. But I was also thinking about, like, the fool cannot be the man. So just kind mm. of the idea of also, like, masculinity and just the idea of, like, strength and steadiness and, like, I feel like that kind of reflects kind of the behavior. Like, I don't know about either for either of you, but like my dad, he is funny, but he, it surprises you because it'll kind of be this like dry sarcasm that comes out of nowhere because otherwise he's like Mm -hmm. a very quiet man and he's very like Mm -hmm. smart, articulate and just pretty intimidating. So I, I feel like that kind of reflects that too, is the idea of like, this is what it is expected of men and then what they actually are like is so much more complicated like they're like men are people <laughs> who would have thought you can be who would have thought who would have thought, <laughs> who thought? <laughs> yeah there's absolutely some aspects of masculinity in there and how like i don't know being the funny guy kind of like kind of takes you down a peg a little bit mm-hmm. like you kind of have to be like there's like a little bit of like a self-deprecating angle in a weird way I mean, Where you gotta be like, ha ha, I'm not the one who ends up with the girl. Well, I'm, a, I'm especially <laughs> not the one who ends up with the girl. But I, uh, just, I feel like, just in case you didn't get that impression. But I feel like um, <laughs> it kind of reflects a little bit of like high school. I'm thinking about high school hierarchy, and it's like, yeah, like even in stupid teen movies and stupid teen TV yeah. shows, like, you know, the quarterback is the main character the quarterback is the one that like most of the characters are gunning for like you know some kind of like sports star and like very stereotypically masculine stereotypically like this that or the other thing and then the funny guy it's normally like you know a friend character who gets like friend zone who they have to find like the value in it if it's a romance or it's like the character who's just like doing stupid stuff and like smoking weed or like getting into trouble and it's like mm-hmm it's, yeah, it's it's an interesting yeah. hierarchy of how, like, this is what we seem to value in men, which to mm-hmm. me is, like, I value comedy and, like, compassion more than I value, like, sports ability. In fact, that's usually a peg in the wrong direction. Look, if you can't lift up an entire truck, then you're not my friend. Listen, yeah. anyone can lift yeah, up an entire truck if they have enough adrenaline. <laughs> Women have lifted mm-hmm. trucks off of babies, it happens. <laughs> if we can't go to the bar and sit in silence, then I don't know what else we can do. I'm Gruff Manly, reporting for duty. It's <laughs> my new character. I want that to be a character, yes, please. <laughs> he has no lines, because if he talked, it could come off as emotion, and he does not have those. He does not believe. Nope. <laughs> do you feel a little more comfortable? Like, are your friend groups a little more understanding? Or are you still feeling a little bit like because you're the funny one? Um, I definitely, I still, it's still something that's within me. Mm-hmm. I think like, I mean, like even right now, I'm willing to talk about my emotions, which is kind of a big step in a way, although not like a sudden step. I do like, I, it's kind of moved into like, you know, it's evolved, <laughs> which you don't want it to evolve. I'd rather it die, but it's evolved into like not wanting to be a bother. And like, I don't want to bother with people to let them know that I'm um, doing very rough right now. Yeah. And no. that kind of stuff. I, I feel like, that. I hate that. And, and putting all of my value 
into into my comedy, my ability to be funny because, uh, you know, I don't got anything else going for me. So hey, you got this podcast. We're gonna we got a podcast that makes me millions of dollars each and every <laughs> week. Men, men, start lining up. Well, and sadly, in a way, this is putting like more stress on your comedy but i feel like your writing though tends to be more like i feel like your writing tends to have a bigger span of genres because most of your like novels mm-hmm. and oh, things yeah. that you've, you've like it's, told me like actually, there's, there's a comedic edge to it but like for the most part they're very serious fantasies or very serious thrillers that is true it's so weird i i've thought about it like years ago but i was like I have never written a straight-up comedy, like, novel. I've yet to write something that's just that. Every time there's... It's there... Again, yeah, there's, like, there's comedic elements, but I've never written a novel that is, like... Like, this is just fun. Just fun times. Although no I feel like you've written here. a play. Because well, your, your um, jukebox musical. Oh, the plays, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a dark. It's comedy. a dark comedy, but it's comedy. It is. Yeah, Chris comedy, always puts yeah. a, a little oh, no. bit of edge to his comedy. Yeah. It sure does. It sure does. So and yeah, so still working. I'll progress. be talking to my therapist. <laughs> yeah, my therapist knows about it. She's trying to get me to not hate myself, but she can't do it. <laughs> She's. I it's... won't let her. <laughs> and as we already know, I love resenting myself. <laughs> oh, if I could only resent myself more. <laughs> God damn. I think also getting to a point, um, and I'm not saying that you do this, but I know a lot of people do where people compare themselves to others. And I think if, if like, yeah, you can, you know, get to a point where yeah. you're... <laughs> uh, I do, Michael. Michael, I do. Well, I then do, getting Michael. getting to a point where you realize that, <laughs> you know, your, your life is your own and it, it doesn't matter what other people have accomplished so long as you're happy you're good. Like I'll see so many tweets where people are like, by this age, X artist had done this many things. And it's like, yeah, but you're, you're not that artist. And they had their own problems and stuff. Sure. They did those things, but they had their own problems and focus on what's making you happy rather than comparing your success to someone else's. I've seen it a million times, but it always does make me a little happier when I see like people who are not successful until they're like, yeah, this person didn't like at this age was still like, she was working in a mailroom or like this guy was like didn't discover like i think Harrison Ford like didn't discover acting until later because he was a carpenter before that so it was just one of those things where it's like life has its own rhythm everybody has their own path well again also just realizing like you know sometimes you know it might it might never hit right like you might never be the next big writer or actor or whatever whatever you're trying to do but if you can find victories and just your small accomplishments and your day-to-day finding the things that make you happy and rolling with it and you know i think that's the the biggest thing you can do and just again not comparing yourself to the success of others and uh, looking at other people's success as a positive thing i see too many times that people are like oh that person's successful fuck them it's like no 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 it's good that they were able to accomplish their dreams. Now let's see, like, what can you do to make, you know, your your own little successes and things like that? Because you're never going to be them. Everyone is different. You're not going to be another person. So focus on what makes you happy. Right? You know, whenever, I mean, you know, on the opposite end, <laughs> whenever I'm only 24, but whenever I see anyone younger than me being successful in any regard, 
I just, it, oh, it sets me off. I thought we had a silent agreement that no one was going to be successful until I was successful. <laughs> um, and, yeah, so well, and see, even, that's a great mindset for me to even have. Even that success is, is, I should not look at Success that. is relative. Like, success to one person is very different to another. Like, uh, I've had this conversation with Teresa a lot lately, um, when talking about like the, the wage disparity and wealth and all that stuff where, you know, everyone's always like, oh, you got to work hard to become, you know, the CEO. And I'm like, it's not everyone's goal to be a CEO. Like if someone is happy being a fast food worker and they can like, you know, they can buy the games they want and stuff like that. And they don't want to grow beyond that. I think that's totally okay. Like, I don't understand why success is based on work for a lot of people. People are like, if you have a shitty job, that means you're not successful. And it's like, life is so much more nuanced than just going to work. It's capitalism. Oh, I'm aware. I'm I'm aware. Um, (laughs) But that's why, like, when people are like, McDonald's workers, that's a starter job and whatnot. And I'm like, every wage, you should be able to make a living wage anywhere. Because what if that is just what they want to do? What if they want to work a a sort of... a, a you know, I'm using air quotes here, a lower tier job. So that way they can then focus on their social lives or, you know, again, playing video games or board games or, or reading or like or raising what if, a family or <laughs> raising a family. Like what if to them, that's what success is. Not everyone wants to be the big boss of a company. So again, success is entirely relative. Yeah, And again, just as long as everyone younger than me makes <laughs> less money than me. That's, you know, that's the takeaway. Chris and I are on opposite wavelengths. (laughs) I feel like I've gotten, I'm I'm still like frustrated with where I'm at, but I've kind of gotten to a point where I'm like, I'm in entertainment. That is what I'm trying to do. Other than some rare exceptions, like no one really gets a lot of energy in the right direction, like in terms of getting agents, in terms of getting staffing, in terms of really getting anything until their 30s. And it's all just about like, but Small the, wins. Exactly. Well, and I think the thing, though, to, to focus in there on is that you might never make it in terms of, like, the the big stuff you want to get done. So focusing on small wins, I think, is what's more important. Like, this podcast and the things that you're currently doing rather than... And, again, it's great to look to the future. It's great to have goals. But so many people, if they don't hit those goals, get really, really bummed about it. And I think it's just important to focus on where you are at currently mm-hmm and try to just take it one one stride at a time. Um, you know, I think that's... Per, personally, I think that's what works... That's what works best for me, you know? It, it might not work for everyone, but I that's how I can stay. Just, like, keep on moving, you know? To summarize, want for nothing. Your wishes are dead. Don't dream. No, yeah, I mean, again, it's great to dream. You might accomplish those dreams and absolutely strive to do so, but... You don't have to get so mad at yourself or so depressed if you don't. The thing is, you tried, and if you had a good time trying, that's way more important. And so long as you can still live a happy life with friends and have a podcast and to have your D&D campaigns, you know, <laughs> doing whatever you're doing, having fun doing it, that's what's far more important than like, ah, oh, man, I'm not the next big uh, Hemsworth. Like, <laughs> you know? I mean, I'd love... I love that mentality. I think my only caveat to that is like money matters. Money makes a God very big capitalism. It, it matters. It, it pay, plays a big part. It plays a part in me finding health insurance and figuring that out. 
it's going to play a role in, like, I don't really care too much if I'm not, like, staffed by the time I'm 35 or whatever. I care about, okay, am I going to be making enough money by the time I'm 35? Because, like, theoretically, I would like to have kids in my 30s. And you need insurance, and you need lots of income, and you need to have savings because you're going to be paying for another human being. Oh, that's absolutely so, fair. Again, that's why I'm saying, like, don't just, like, give up on goals and things like that. Like, still strive to do what you want to do. But if having kids is something that you want to do, then obviously, yes, you have to have a job that can afford that. But that job might not necessarily be the one you're dreaming of now, you know? Yeah. Um, it could be something entirely different. And I, again, I don't think people should get necessarily depressed or sad if they didn't hit what their original goal was, if you can still hit different goals and find different wins. Um, well, and that's, the, yeah, I think that's a kind of different thing of like, I think the bigger thing is just being able to accept that life changes. I hit a point where I realized like, I don't necessarily have to be a writer. That doesn't have to be my goal. It was kind of a thing where it's like, I like it. It brings me joy. It's interesting. I like talking to people who are writers and creators. But if that doesn't happen for me, I really just want to find something, a job that's going to make me happy. That has been the goal. It's just a job that gives me security, that's interesting to me, and that makes me happy. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Let's let's end on an upbeat note. Michael? We want one of mine? Cool. Uh, yeah. So here's the thing. I've, I've got many different ones. Uh, I was originally going to do one that was my lyric poem. However, that one, while it starts off happy, is about war. So what I'm going to do... Do you, do you want that? Or do we want something that's just Michael is dumb and goofy? No, you know, no. After the, after the... the military-industrial complex. Also, just like... After Chris's poem, we cannot put you in a box being like, no, only be funny. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not what I'm saying. That is not at all what I'm saying. I appreciate it. I, I, I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, funny man, do funny. <laughs> funny man, do funny fun. All right, here, I'll, I'll start with a, a dumb one. Dance a dumb for me. <laughs> I'll start Dance with a dumb for me, one. funny man. And I don't think this one will have too much of a conversation. So I think it's fine if we do two of mine. So this one, okay. is, this one is my alphabet poem. It's the gamer one that I'm very excited for. So obviously as an alphabet poem, it is formatted um, like going down and I, I call it the gamer poem because the word is gamer. And uh, going down, I have each thing standing for something. And this is what it says. <clears throat> gamer, great at making and establishing relationships. And <laughs> that's the whole thing. Well, that's let's talk about <laughs> video game industry and well, and it wasn't even like to... continuing like a full sentence. Like I was thinking it was gonna be a full line. No, it's nope. just a single word. Literally just going down. Well, I, I will say though, like that was that's one of the things with COVID, where like gaming has exploded because gaming is a great way to connect with friends, and oh. like that that's been a whole thing. It's it's surprisingly very relevant to right now. <laughs> Well, that's, I mean, that's the, the reason, if we want to get into the reason why I wrote it, despite it being so short and ridiculous and dumb, uh, at, you know, at the time, I didn't have a lot of friends that I played video games with. Most of my friends were through theater. Uh, and while they, you know, they played games, we didn't really play the same games. Uh, and so, like, I, there were many conversations that I had with different people where I had to, like, defend 
video games and why they were good and stuff like that. Um, so I think that's where it comes from, Game where I'm like, yeah, no, yeah. video games are great. Uh, they're a great way of making and meeting new people. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're not this sort of weird, nerdy thing that a lot of people think they, they are, um, or at least at the time, you know. Uh, obviously now yeah, video games, they still they still have a stigma around them for some people, but I think we've kind of hit a point in society where people are like, oh yeah, video games are, are a valid form of entertainment. Um, yeah. Yeah, like, it's not a scarlet letter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, but obviously well, like, uh, back I used, then I... What were you going to say, Sydney? I was just going to say, um, I used like computer games when I was little to like learn. Like they had learning games, so it's not like, I mean, it's not a video game, but it's still like... Thing, I feel like there's a certain element of, like, you can learn stuff in video games because they are, like, in certain instances, very narrative tools. Yeah. And, like, you can experience different things. And also there's just, like, don't shit on things that make people happy. There's value in things that just are fun. <laughs> well, I think I think the issue is that a lot of people that were against or maybe still are against video games um, see it through a very narrow lens where they only see the, like, Grand Theft Autos and Call of Duties, like... Which, again, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those games, but if that's all you're seeing, obviously your perception is going to be video games are violent and, you know, what's the purpose to it, stuff like that. Um, And they don't see the, like, the Animal Crossings and the the, uh, Stardew Valleys, the, like, or the um, Undertales even, like, no, they don't don't see those. um, So they're like, oh yeah, video games are not art, they're just graphic violence and it's like well it's a little more nuanced than that like most art forms yeah. but again there are I w- genres there, there are different types of we games. don't say yeah we don't say you know movies aren't art because porn is around right um and your porn is art in a way and it's it's unfortunate but like Not my boy every my porn ain't art baby <laughs> every single piece of entertainment that's ever come around has sort of fallen <laughs> under that that spell like you know, when books first started being a thing, people were like, oh, this is going to make people more forgetful because they can write shit down now. Like, people were against books, which is insane. When oh, yeah. when TV first started coming around, people were against it. It's rotten your brain, stuff like that. Movies were the, the devil's work, you know? Like, everyone has always been against whatever modern form of, of entertainment is showing up. So, I, you know, video games are finally hitting the point where they've been around long enough that I think people are like, oh, we were we were dumb back then, um, <laughs> so it's it's interesting. It's like it's funny that people just don't see those cycles. It's also why I love history, because society just gets in the same cycle so fucking often. And I'm like, guys, what? Like, why are you doing this? Like, we we've clearly seen that we've gone through this before, and it ended dumbly like i know it's not a word but i feel like it emphasizes how dumb it is yeah it's definitely true i feel like i mean even all the stuff like to get political all the stuff with like trump and everything like that like i don't know how people cannot look at that and be like not flash back to history lessons about world war ii and be like wow this sounds eerily familiar yeah it's the anti-intellectuals people who like you know they'll fake news everything that doesn't fit their narrative. They'll be like, oh, they made that up. Or, oh, you know, this is, it, it, it's my dad, basically. No. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, there's, yeah. there is a really strange movement. Um, I mean, it's been going on for a little bit now, but just, like, of people that are anti-learning. And it's it's very strange. Because mm-hmm. 
I do not understand it. I know, like, my girlfriend has told me, or Teresa, you guys know her. Um, <laughs> like, she's told me about a, a person she talked to who was like, oh, yeah, I don't like to learn. And it's like, what? Like, I can understand not liking the cool current, like, school industry or the current education system. But to not like to learn is a very different thing and very problematic. Yeah, no. I, I, I love it on Facebook when people will set their school as the school of hard knocks <laughs> and I'm like okay you you're a dummy you I have you, never heard you, that. you you oh I see it too often or like it'll be like the school of these nuts or something like that and it's like okay Mary enjoy enjoy that I hope I hope they accept that at I don't know wherever you're applying well it's like so um I, I listen and have seen a lot of stuff with, like, um, Hank and John Green. And, like, John Green was not a big fan of school. Like, he did very poorly in school. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting to me, then, that he's, like, this guy who does Crash Course and he, like, wants to learn so much. And, like, if you listen to his podcast, The Anthropocene, he goes so in-depth on topics. And you just get this, like, sense that he just loves to learn. And I think that's something that's robbed of us pretty young is, like... That curiosity mm-hmm. is kind of looked With down the, on, like you're seen as weird or nerdy. And so it's like I remember I was I was weird freshman year of high school where I read um, this like book. Literally, it was Edith Hamilton's Greek Mythology, and I read through it. And then the next over the summer, that was our assigned reading was that book. So I just had to like mm. read a couple of things I hadn't read and skim back through the chapters I had just because I was like. No, I was reading a book series about Greek mythology, Percy Jackson. I wanted to know more, so I read a book. And it was just like, mm-hmm. like it's, um, this is not to like knock on Chris at all, but we were talking in our writers mm-hmm. group about um, how you hadn't read any like original fairy tales. And this just seems so wild to me because it was just so like, oh, well, this is something that interested me. So I just picked up like a couple of books and I've read a couple of variations and like actually recently learned that there are a couple of old versions of Cinderella that are not just the grim version and some that are older that fit with the Disney version. That's a French interpretation of that story of Cinderella. And there's like a Chinese interpretation as well. So like there are just so many different versions of stories, but like just, you know, things that I absorb and have learned. And like, there's probably a million things that you know and have learned from your own curiosity that I would just be like, I have no idea i would have no clue about it because i just it never was something that popped up as like oh i want to read more about this and i think the important oh we lost chris uh (laughs) he'll be back (laughs) i think the important thing there though is to also know that like when you don't know something uh that's okay i feel like a lot of people are really are really scared to not know something and that's how we get into those fake news cycles is that people will be like i don't know the answer to this question therefore i believe no answer is correct um you know so it's it's yeah that's i think that's the thing that's just the thing with us like with like how society is where it's like people are afraid to say they're wrong and they're afraid to say they don't know something because like that's a big thing with like trying to get better acquainted with like things with black culture and black lives matter and like different like communities if, if you say something that is offensive to someone but you don't recognize it because of your own experience 
you can't just be defensive and be like, no, it wasn't, and like try to fight back. You just need to like take a take the hit to your ego and be like, fuck, I'm sorry, I didn't know. Can you tell me like what to do in the future? Or like just accept the fact that you said something bad and was like, no, <laughs> no, it would. I, I need to. I need to learn from that and I need to recognize my own privilege and my own experience is not the only one. Um, yeah. Chris is currently out of internet. <laughs> well, I think we'll, we'll probably wrap this episode up here anyway. Like I said that the gamer poem wasn't going to get us to talk a lot, but it somehow did. Um, <laughs> but uh, never, never doubt my ability to overanalyze everything. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I think that the, the lesson of that one is just, uh, you know, always be open to learning and, uh, don't be afraid to not know things. That is totally okay. Um, so long as you're willing to, to learn. Uh, but that is going to wrap up this episode of Shitfic. It was a crazy episode. We only actually read three little tidbits. Um, but I hope, you know, anyone listening to this got something out of it. I think we talked about a wide range of emotions. So, um, unfortunately... Yeah, I, oh, go ahead. We went into a lot of topics. We, like... You know, that I feel like that is actually a surprisingly, like, interesting sentiment about the power of poetry, even poetry that you didn't necessarily love or you don't ex- necessarily respect right now, is that it does get you thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I want to uh, thank everyone for, for listening to this episode. Again, I hope you, you took something away from it. Um, I hope you were able to relate to something, I guess. Um, I want to thank Ryan Tucker for uh, making the wonderful song you heard at the beginning. Uh, you can follow him at Ryan Tuck Music um, on Instagram and other other platforms. Uh, make sure to to like or follow or whatever you're listening this on. Uh, make sure to like it because uh, that helps us, you know, get the get the word out more. Make sure to share it with everyone. Or if you're on like Apple Podcasts, please subscribe, rate, and review because. I actually don't think we have any platform now that you can like it on because that was YouTube and we're not releasing on YouTube anymore. <laughs> Fair enough. So yeah, yeah. Subscribe. Um, again, leave reviews, share it with people. That always is, is very helpful. I'm going to thank Sam for doing all of the the like advertising for us. Uh, that's always great. You can follow us. Actually, if you want to give the social since you're actually on this episode, feel free. <laughs> uh, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I will warn you. Only I have posted to TikTok and not that much. Um, but we Eventually I'll get there. <laughs> I'm just so busy. Oh, same. But you can follow us on those platforms at sh underscore t fic. Chris is, I, it feels wrong without Chris here. Cause, I, you know, I know. The shot um, fic. The <laughs> well, we, fic. We got to thank Chris. That's true. I, wonderful. I do want to I feel bad. I feel like I talked over him a lot of the episode because he was so much quieter than usual. I think it's because this um, episode was less of a funny episode and more of a raw emotion talking episode. True. <laughs> Not I to downplay once again the thing he was talking about where he's the funny guy. Uh, yeah. Once once we start talking about emotions, you know, he tends to get a little more quiet, a little more relaxed, stuff like that. So I think that's why he wasn't as, as zany as his usual, as the previous episode. Thank you to Chris. Love you, Chris. Thank we, you for being emotional and vulnerable with us. Absolutely. We hope well, you can get back in so you can at least talk to us post-show. <laughs> uh, thank you, Michael. I appreciate you being our other host. Absolutely. Thank you, Sydney, for creating this podcast. Without you, uh, Chris and I would not be here. Granted, Chris is not here right now, but that's because of internet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Have a good one. <laughs>